Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. It is the 19th day of November 2022. It's a rare Saturday recording. Sorry I missed yesterday's show. There's just had to deal with some family things. What are you going to do? But we're making up to it. We're going to have five this week, five next week, including some really good episodes coming up on Thanksgiving week. You can follow us at MLB Pods on Twitter, as long as Twitter's still around. Same handle for Instagram. I am your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. There's a lot of stuff that we can cover in some upcoming shows. Twins have new uniforms. Cody Bellinger has been uh, designated for assignment, and Cleveland and the Marlins should be jumping all over themselves trying to sign them. And the Dodgers are clearing the decks, it looks like, to try to bring in another big free agent. And, man, they could use an outfielder. Aaron Judge, anyone? Yankee fans are starting to get a little worried that the Dodgers, a team that has no compunction to sign big-time free agents, see a big-time free agent. Imagine if they add Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Aaron Judge. It's just getting ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But do you what? Why not? Why not? A lot of stuff we're going to cover in, in some upcoming episodes. But this Saturday, today, I want to just pay tribute to someone. Um, pay tribute to a player who we lost. And with his death, it kind of reminds me that maybe we're losing a certain kind of player in the game. And I miss that kind of player. The player who died was named Chuck Carr. Now, if you're a baseball fan from the 1990s, and I know I am, Chuck Carr was a, you know, he was not a superstar, but he was a really, really popular player when he became part of, of the original Florida Marlins team. He once led the league in stolen bases. He was someone who, <clears throat> excuse me, always was able to be on, you know, swiping bags and had a certain amount of uh, of flair, both in terms of his performance on the field and his defense and his speed and his larger-than-life personality. He was someone who frequently referred to himself in the third person and had sort of a, you know, he didn't have a a small ego. He thought of himself as a star that everyone just needed to get out of his way. In fact, he was originally drafted. uh, He was from San Bernardino, not far from where I'm sitting right now, in the luxurious Lockdown MLB Studios in Pasadena, California. So a little bit further, um, a little bit further east into the desert 
is where Chuck Carr was born, town of San Bernardino. Uh, he wound up playing with the, he was drafted by the Reds, but he wound up playing in the Mariners system. And it's funny, San Bernardino used to have a Mariners minor league team. I saw that San Bernardino team play back in 1988 when their center fielder was Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, that one. Well, Chuck Carr was briefly teammates with Ken Griffey Jr. in the Seattle Mariners system. And Carr kept saying to Ken Griffey Jr., hey, uh, someday you're going to have to find a new position because I'm going to be the center fielder for the Seattle Mariners. Well, uh, that's not what happened, obviously. And he wound up being traded to the Mets organization. He made his debut with the Mets and drove everyone in the Mets crazy by talking a lot. And when it came to the expansion of baseball in 1993, Florida finally got a baseball team for the first time. And he became, uh, or he was traded. He was not a, uh, oh no, I'm, I'm mistaken. He was traded by the Mets to the Cardinals. And then he was drafted by the Marlins in the expansion draft. I got a little bit turned around there because I forgot that he was briefly part of the Cardinals. But he was still a rookie, even though he played in the 1990, 91, and 1992 seasons. He only played four games with the Mets in 1990, 12 in 91 to play 22 games with the Cardinals. But still had his rookie status intact when he became an original Florida Marlin. And the Marlins had those bright teal hats, bright teal helmets. It was the first expansion in a while. And the fans of Miami didn't have a whole heck of a lot to cheer for that first year. Yeah, they had ancient Charlie Huff pitching for them. Yes, they had perennial all-stars like Gary Sheffield and Benito Santiago on that initial team. But Chuck Carr became the first kind of fan favorite for the Marlins. And he wound up leading the league in that expansion season with 58 stolen bases. He also led the league with 22 caught stealings. So he attempted to steal um, 80 times in his 142 games with the Marlins. He batted 267. His on-base percentage was 321. He did hit four home runs, and he finished fourth in the Rookie of the Year voting uh, in 1993. The Rookie of the Year in the National League that year was uh, Mike Piazza. Uh, I think that's a pretty safe pick there. He was unanimous. Um, Greg McMichael was the second. And Carr's teammate with the Marlins, Jeff Conine, finished third in the rookie voting. Chuck Carr was a regular in Sports Center highlights. Remember when Sports Center highlights used to be a big thing? He would make diving catches and made strong throws. And he had that flair with a you know cockiness and a sense of personality. And then when he was on base, you had to watch. He was going to go for it. Whether he was going to get caught or not, that's a whole different subject. Well, he continued playing for the Marlins when the Marlins were bad. And then the Marlins, well, they made a deal for Devon White. And Devon White, who was 
an established all-star, major leaguer, World Series champion several times over in Toronto, was one of the best center fielders in baseball. And the Marlins were trying to basically move beyond their image of an expansion team and try to go for it pretty early. And that basically ended Chuck Carr's career with the, Mar with the Marlins. He was dealt to the Brewers. Now, I just got to say, my favorite podcast, let me give them a little plug right now, not that they need my plug, is the show called Never Not Funny, uh, hosted by the great Jimmy Pardo, who has been uh, a guest not on this show, but on the original Sully Baseball podcast. And he loves bringing up the story of when Chuck Carr was playing with the Milwaukee Brewers. And obviously, Chuck Carr's greatest weapon is stealing bases, being speed on the base paths. And in one particular game with Milwaukee, the in a critical juncture, Carr was up, and the count was 2-0 and in his favor. Two balls, no strikes. And he swung and made a and, and made out on the third pitch of which Phil Gardner, the manager of the Brewers was furious. It's like, take the next pitch. Your job is to get on base and use your speed of which Chuck Carr re replied, according to Phil Gardner and as constantly quoted on uh, never not funny, Chucky hacks on two and O as if he was a great slugger, which he was not. Uh, I think the Chucky Hacks on 2-0 may have put a nail in his coffin in his time with the Milwaukee Brewers, but he did wind up playing briefly with the Houston Astros, and in 1997, he got his only taste of the postseason as a member of the Houston Astros, of which he actually hit a home run. I wonder if it was on a 2-0 count. I have to look that up. I wonder if Chucky did hack on 2-0. Uh, he hit a home run against John Smoltz, future Hall of Famer John Smoltz, surrendered a postseason home run to Chucky Carr. Uh, but it was the last game that he would play in the major leagues. The Astros non-tendered him. He didn't make the Montreal Expos out of spring training. He wound up playing in Taiwan, kind of bounced around for a little bit, and he died uh, this last week. And Chuck Carr was, he died on the uh, 13th, and he was only 55 years old. So, Glenn, uh, Charles Lee Glenn Carr was his full name. And he's just, look at, you're not always just going to remember the Hall of Famers. You're not always just going to remember the players who are, you know, who who broke all the records and everything like that. But you're also going to remember the fan favorites, the people who, you know, gave them a reason to cheer when there was nothing else going on with that team. Now, he, I, I looked at some of the, uh, the, the articles. It just says he has been battling uh, health issues. So I don't know for sure what finally did him in. In the end, it doesn't matter. He wound up, uh, as I said, uh, from his rookie year in 93, he was a starter in 93, 94, and 95, four, and was a part-time player in 96 and 97. A nice career. Nice career. Finished with 144 career stolen bases. And when you have a player like that, 
who was a popular player, who gave his all for a team that wasn't going anywhere. Sometimes those are the the players that fans hold closest to their bosom. People who were Marlin France for those early years, you know, those few years before they bought a championship. And the topic of buying championships is going to be part of a show that I'm doing for next week that I'm prepping for. There wasn't a lot to cheer for, but there was when Chuck Carr was on. And when he was on base, you knew something was going to happen, whether he was going to steal or get caught. That's exciting. And I'm sure it was also exciting when Chucky hacked 2-0. But the death of Chuck Carr made me think about the fact that he was a certain kind of player that fell under a certain type of category that is really seldom seen in baseball anymore because of the change of the culture of the game. And you know what? I think it's a type of player that we're sorely missing. And look at, I'm just saying it would be a surefire bet that baseball would be a lot more exciting with more Chuck cars out there. And if you're making any bets, go to betonline.net. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends from every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports, we have it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Thanks so much for making Lockdown MLB your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked on sports today from games that matter to the the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked on sports today available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chuck Carr was a specific kind of player that was certainly prevalent in the 70s and absolutely in the 80s. And started to die out in the 90s and essentially became a woolly mammoth extinct by the time we got to the turn of the century. The speedster. Speedsters used to be part of the game, along with sluggers and professional hitters and all glove, no bats. I mean, there was certain categories you would put certain players into over the course of the year. And there were players whose main function was to steal bases. Now, base stealing really was not a big part of the game until the integration of baseball, and Jackie Robinson brought the speed that was from the Negro Leagues into the Major Leagues and added a new aspect to the game. And it wasn't just a racial thing. I mean, there was great speedsters like, you know, Brett Butler was a speedster and Omar Moreno was a speedster. And certainly Ichiro was a speedster in an era where there were not many. But there were many players whose main form of threat was how they did on the base paths. When they got on base, everyone was 
came to attention. Everyone perked up because you knew something could happen. Even if no stolen base happened, you know, I'll point out Chuck Carr attempted 80 steals. Well, there were many, many times he didn't steal or attempt, but there was also a sense, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Obviously, the greatest was Ricky Henderson, who was a speedster and also an extraordinary uh, uh, offensive performer. But like Chuck Carr, was someone who played the game with a certain flair. Speedsters were exciting players. They brought excitement to points which could be boredom when you don't have a running game. When you have someone at first, whether, you know, obviously the two great ones, I mean, you'd have uh, Lou Brock and Ricky Henderson. You'd have Tim Raines or, the, or Maury Wills. You're like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? They could be running. They could be running. And that aspect, you saw players who were part of the league, who were part of the All-Star game, who gave a certain, I don't know, a, it was a dynamic quality when there was someone whose speed was such a threat that you basically sometimes changed how you did, your, how, how you pitched, how you fielded. And a lot of times, those players knew it. You know, the, the prototype, if you're if you're trying to get a sense of what I'm going for, Wesley Snipes' character in Major League, Willie Mays Hayes, was a classic speedster. Someone whose job it was to get on base and steal that base. Get in the pitcher's head. Get it so the pitcher is throwing fastballs to get to the catcher's meant faster to catch you, and therefore the big slugger at the plate is seeing big, fat fastballs right down the middle of the plate. Getting in the pitcher's head. Everyone in the crowd looking. If you're watching the Royals game in the 1980s, which person on first base is going to get you more excited? Willie Wilson or Steve Balboni? For those of you who are not old enough to remember that era of the Royals, Steve Balboni was a big, chubby, bald guy uh, who looked like Kevin from The Office with a mustache who also could hit 35 home runs a year. Willie Wilson, classic speedster. Willie Wilson gets on base, and he'll he'll steal. And uh, Willie Wilson was also a great hitter, but was also a smart base runner. He could make things exciting. Teams would change how they played the game if there was a speedster who was a real threat. Watch clips of the 1976 World Series. The Yankees had a classic speedster named Mickey Rivers. And Mickey Rivers, again, larger-than-life personality, speaking about himself in the third person, had a great cocky attitude to him, and was fun. Remember fun? A lot of these players were really fun to root for. And in that World Series, Pete Rose, the third baseman for the Reds in that World Series, was moved so far up he was practically in the same position as the pitcher to eliminate the bunt because he knew that mickey rivers was going to lay down a bunt there's an interesting thing that i when i was just sort of kicking things around wanting to just pay tribute to chuck carr i got a list of the the most stolen bases in baseball history major league baseball history um, 
Obviously, number one is Ricky Henderson. He's the only one who has stolen a thousand bases, and he finishes one thousand four hundred and six. Lou Brock is second with nine hundred thirty-eight. Then you have some old timers like Billy Hamilton and Ty Cobb. Not Billy Hamilton, who was on the Reds recently. Then you have the likes of you know you go down and there's Tim you know so many who played in the seventies and eighties, like Tim Raines, like Willie Wilson like Joe Morgan, like Burt Campanaris. You saw a couple more recent ones, like Kenny Lofton and Otis Nixon. Juan Pierre was a rare um, uh, one from the uh, 90s and 2000s. We had, you know, Ozzie Smith, Brett Butler, Davey Lopes, Cesar Cedeno. Uh, you had, um, well, Barry Bonds did everything, and obviously Ichiro was there as well. Paul Molitor, Omar Moreno. You know, going down the list, so many, you know, Juan Samuel is on that list. Um, you know, so many people from that era, Steve Sachs, Ron LaFleur, that when you saw them get on base, there was a sense of doom, dread, or at least excitement. But here's the other interesting thing that I that I wanted to bring up specifically in that list. You see a lot of people from different eras. You do see some people from, you know, more recent times, you know, Delano DeShields and Eric Young. Of course, both of them have their children in the major leagues. A couple of more recent ones, Carl Crawford, believe it or not, is on there. Um, and I mentioned, uh, you know, Craig Biggio is on there. And uh, I mentioned one other one. You know, Kenny Lofton is 15th all time. But of the 100 top Stolen base in terms of career from Ricky Henderson at one to Hal Chase and Tony Womack tied at 100. Here's the one thing that all of those players have in common from one to 100. They're all retired. Not one single active player has cracked the top 100 of career stolen bases. This is a year where we had several players. We had uh, Pujols crack the 700 club, not Pat Robertson. We saw another member of the 3,000 hit club with Miguel Cabrera. We see players on, you know, active players. Mike Trout is moving up the, the top 100. There's several other who are home run hitters who are in the top 100, including Nelson Cruz. None in stolen base. You go through all the different eras. Even in the steroid era, even in the you know the the dead ball era, sprinkling members here or there, except now, except now, not one active player has more has reached the uh, the level of three hundred sixty three. In fact, who is I got to got to do this here. That when you take a look at the all-time stolen at, at the stolen base leaders and um, active, number one, D. Gordon, three thirty-six. Elvis Andres, three thirty-three. The other Billy Hamilton, three twenty-four. Starling Marte, Starling Marte. You know, you I mean, Mike Trout is two hundred four. Heck, he may end up in the top one hundred. But with that, it's sim 
simply teams playing things safe. And I think baseball is losing something by playing it safe, by not going for risks. Now, that's not to say you shouldn't play things as safe. It's not saying you shouldn't avoid risks. In fact, I think you should be thinking safe at home and you're right right now. Secure your home with home security. And you should use Simply Safe. Right now, locked on MLB listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. It's the biggest offer of the year. I don't want you to miss it. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries, easy for you to say, and package theft spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe honor home security and are offering their 50% off of their service. Now, Simply Safe has been named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News and World Report. In an emergency, 24/7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence to verify threat is real, so you can get priority police response. And with top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere. Arm or disarm. Unlock for a guest, access your camera, or adjust system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB today. That is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You know, I miss stolen bases. And not just because I'm an old curmudgeon. We talk about pace of play as being a problem in baseball. We've got to pick up the pace of play. But then we take away the running game. Running and the speed does increase the pace of play for one main reason. Remember, pace of play is not synonymous with length of game. You could have a boring short game or a really thrilling long game. So it isn't just about taking away the time of game. It's also the amount of time that a game is being played where there's a certain amount of action and a certain amount of intensity. Now, the steroid era has led to a bunch of things, including the almost total elimination of the running game, stolen bases. You know, 30, 40 steals will give you the lead. And it's not because players today don't have the ability. It's just not part of the equation anymore. I'm positive that if Ricky Henderson played today, he'd be getting 25 to 30 stolen bases. Why? Because the metrics show the risk is not worth it. The risk of stealing a base and getting caught. What did we say about Chucky Carr earlier? He led the league in steals and getting caught. I said, well, you know, if you don't make this certain percentage, then the risk isn't worth it. We can't have the risk. Because that's why we watch sports. To play things safe, right? To not have risks to not have daring uh, actions from the runners. That's one of the reasons why the speedsters were so much fun. 
they had a sense of cockiness to them many times. And there was a sense of, I'm going to get you. I'm going to steal. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to steal. I'm going to steal anyway. So Maury Wills said to Dave Roberts, and, and he famously remembered for his big stolen base in the 2004 postseason. But by eliminating the things that take away risk, you're taking away some of the excitement of the game. Do you watch a car race thinking like, oh, make sure all the safeties are on. Oh, hands at hands at 10 and 2. Oh, oh dear, no, don't go too far. Don't go too fast now. Is that why you watch it? Is that why you you don't want to watch risk being taken? You want to, you know, sometimes that's part of the fun. Look, there's going for it. You know? Playing things safe. Yeah, it's great when you're doing you're simply safe. And yes. It's great statistically, but it's also not that much fun to watch. Playing things safe takes away the fact that this is entertainment. You know, I mean, I'm not saying it has to, you have to be running recklessly. But if you take away the threat, or a person gets on base, as we're now worshiping on base percentage, and I understand why, theoretically, but at some point when someone gets on base and you know they're not going to run, then you just sort of sit there. You're just waiting for the next walk, strike out, or home run. When you have speed on the base, you have the speedsters. I wonder how many people who have the talent to be speedsters have not even looked to baseball. How many of them have looked to football or to basketball or to soccer? God forbid. I shouldn't say God forbid. If you love soccer, it's your sport. But how many of them have not thought of baseball as an option because baseball just doesn't play it that way anymore. Placing safe. It's not steel bases. No, no, not worth the risk. Yeah, it's worth the risk. It speeds up the game. It creates tension. It creates excitement. And it creates excitement filling voids. Not everything has to be waiting for the home run. Yes, I understand. That's why the stolen bases were poo-pooed i mean the 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 whole sort of i mean there were two things in moneyball when the book came out movie came out that they kind of hinted at at one point which was yeah this is all about we're saving dough which there's no reason why the a's couldn't spend money like crazy their owners has piles of money as does every major league baseball owner on the planet but the other thing is the element of all the players being juiced up, well, then why are we going to have someone thrown out? We want it to be a three-run home run. Just stay. Stay tethered to the base. I miss speedsters. I miss speedsters for filling the void of creating excitement when someone's on base, for adding a sense of risk and excitement into the game, and also for the personalities, the Chucky Cars of the world the Kenny Loftons of the world, the Ichiro's of the world, the Omar Moreno's of the world, the Willie Wilson's of the world, the Mickey Rivers of the world, hell, the Ricky Henderson's. These are all players who add excitement, risk, and a little bit of, well, personality to the league. You know, when you see a player come up and you weren't sure who they are, and all of a sudden Alex Cole of the Cleveland Indians, they were called the Indians back then, 
in the 80s came out of nowhere, stealing tons of bases. It was fun. It was all fun. And remember, that's why we watch baseball, because it's a fun game. Rest in peace, Chucky Carr. But I hope we're not saying rest in peace to the speedsters in baseball. So you can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Thanks so much for making Lockdown MLB your first listen. Once again, why don't you have your second listen be Locked on Sports Today? That's the games that matter the most, the biggest stories and college football, pro football, all the leagues, everyone out there. Go beyond the scoreboard and you get that great locked on expert analysis. It's available on this app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Bidding adieu to Chucky Carr. This has been Locked On MLB for the 19th day of November 2022. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. <laughs>